You're listening to the BJ Show on Egbert, E-G-G-B-U-R-T. What is Egbert? Well, we've got this eccentric guy, this sort of a nerdy guy with lots of money who bought the radio station, and he's renamed the radio station Egbert. You can check it out at egbert.com. That tells about a little bit about what he's up to. If you want to find specifically what this radio station's about, go to egbertonair.com. That's E-G-G-B-U-R-T, egbertonair.com. I'm with John Combest, who is uh, the political provocateur or the political... <laughs> political idiot. Idiot savant. <laughs> idiot savant. We won't call him that because he's not really an idiot. I'm the one who is an idiot. Okay, we teased this last last section, last uh, uh, segment. The Ivy League presidents were on Capitol Hill yesterday, being grilled by primarily the Republicans about how they have sort of disregarded the safety of the Jewish students on campus and all the nastiness that's being pointed at the Jewish students with the students who are essentially defending Hamas and the Palestinians. Yep. And I was just fascinated by the fact that if you flip this around, he's the guy, I don't know if you know this guy or not, Tony, Tony Colombo. You know, he was. Oh, on, yeah. He, he's been on the. You know, he's originally from North County, too, I think. I think he went to Central, Hazelwood Central. Yes. Yes, he did. And he, he moved out of North County. He moved into St. Charles County. He's like most. Of course. North of course. North, he's like all of us. Right. He's a North Countyite that's <laughs> former North Countyite. He used to have something he used to talk about the flip test. And essentially, I always thought it was sort of interesting because he would say, okay, let's turn this situation around and let's say we look at it from the other perspective. And it's interesting sure. in the respect that one of the Congress people yesterday pointed out the fact that some conservative uh, people, pundits, whatever they were, it could be like a Riley Gaines or something like that, that has a different aspect, a different uh, view on things, were not allowed on campus. In other words, Absolutely. you could even, even moderate, I don't mean to interrupt, Brad, but even relatively moderate conservatives, guys like Charlie Kirk, Right. And and others are, are banned from some campuses because they're, they're just considered, you know, white nationalists or, or something ridiculous like that. Right, exactly. And if you look at even Riley Gaines, I think she was at a university or some type of a college in San Francisco where after her, I don't know if she got to finish her thing, but she was uh, essentially chased down the hall. Yes. She had security yep. people defend her and they locked her in an office, in an office, in one of the offices, one of the college buildings. And they had to call in additional police to essentially get the protesters away yeah. from her. And, I'm going and for like, folks who don't know, if you haven't heard of Riley Gaines, she was she was a former competitive swimmer in college, and she's been a leading voice against the idea of men competing in women's sports. And probably the poster child picture is her uh, on the podium as she came in second in yes. one of the national competitions against Leah Thomas, who was the transgender uh, dude who's now the dudette. And, uh, you know, and, and the, even more than that, she talks about the fact that one of the things that she was very upset about was that he shows up in the locker room and he just takes all of all his clothes. But once again, he's still got all the, the dude parts, but yet he's claiming he's a dudette, if that makes any sense. Yeah. unbelievable. Um, and but I interrupted you, Brad. Back to, back to what you no, were talking about. No, but I was saying was, you know, maybe things have changed. But when I went to university, when I went to school, and I've got a, not bragging, but I have a bachelor's and a master's, which I will both say are worthless degrees because they're in journalism. Yep. When I went to uni university, and I went to SIU Edwardsville for my undergrad, um, it was to the point where the professors sometimes would play the role of the provocateur. They yeah. would be the ones who would say, okay, here's how I feel. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yep. You know, and in other words, the idea being was that they were essentially trying to look at look at 
make you look at things from all different sides. And especially some of the guests they would have on campus as far as guest speakers. Some of them were just flat out, you know, and keep in mind, I went to school. I'm an old guy. I went to school when the Vietnam War was still going on. Absolutely. Can can only imagine. Right. right. So you had people who were anti, 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 anti anti-war. And those were the people that when the Vietnam vets would get off the planes at Lambert, they would go spit on them. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm not making that up. That is something that, you know, yeah. I mean, I when I was flying helicopters back in the day, everybody I worked with, every all the pilots I worked with, every single one of them was a Vietnam vet. Now, the difference with them was uh, they were to the point where they had a different perspective on the war because I, I kid about this all the time. And I used to kid about them with with uh, kid with them about this, that if all of a sudden, like let's say 1985, when I was still you know involved with these guys, uh, these uh, these Vietnam vet ex helicopter pilots, if I would have walked into a room and said, "Guys, the Vietnam War is back on. We're back going again," these guys would be walking out the door to sign back up. They would ready be. To go. They would ready to go. Right. right. Because because they and 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 matter of fact, I'll I'll tell you a quick story. One of the guys I flew with was a guy by the name of Dion Yunkin. And Dion was this great big tall Texas guy. He'd talk like that, had a slow <laughs> Texas drawl. So he occasionally was one of my pilots. Actually, it was sort of interesting. When I first met him, he was still working for the Army. And over at Bi-State Parks Air Force uh, Air- Airport, they had a what they call a pilot recurrent training center where they were taking primarily um, officers, uh, captain on up, who were helicopter pilots. But they were keeping them current so that if there was a need, if we got into some kind of a scrimmage or something like that, where all of a sudden they needed a ton of helicopter pilots, these guys who typically did not fly anymore were still current. And you gotcha. had in aviation, you have to be for certain classes of license and things like that. You have to have some what they call currency, um, where you have to essentially say that in the last year you flew 10 hours or something like that. Yep. Well, anyway, Dion was still in the Army. And it was funny because on Friday, I remember this is actually sort of interesting. On Friday, he, on one Friday, he retired from the Army. And then Monday, he was back doing the same job as, as a civilian, which was sort of interesting. You know, one day he's in the Army yeah, doing no a days job. off. Right. The next day, he's, he's a civilian <laughs> doing the same job. So one day, I come into the airport. And it was like something out of a movie. We had a small office. And I walked into the office. And here's Dion. He's in a reclining chair, one of those reclining office chairs, and he's got his feet up on the desk, and he's got cowboy boots on. He's got a cowboy hat over his face, and he didn't even he he didn't know it was me. But the door opened, and he assumed it was me, and he says, "Brad, that you?" And I go, "Yeah, Dion." He says, uh, "Is it time to fly yet?" I go, "No, I'm a little early. We got about another 20, <laughs> 30 minutes." And he, I go, "You doing okay?" And he says, "Yeah." He says, "I was just sitting here thinking about the saddest day of my life." And I was like, okay, is this like a divorce or something like that? I say, I go, well, I don't be nosy. What day was that? He says, the day the Vietnam War ended. I love that blanking war. Oh, man. And, I, and he was serious. So, yeah. you know, and the interesting part of it was the guys that I knew who were all the helicopter pilots from Vietnam, they didn't have PTSD. They looked at it as like the most exciting period of their life. Yeah, you know, for, and, well, I, I'm sure, and I mean, you know, they, I, I'm sure that many of them are just cut from a different cloth, right? And okay. part of that has to do with what they go through in training and the camaraderie, and it's part of their identity. Well, I used to say the American cowboy is now a helicopter pilot. That's what I. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a little biased there, though, Brad. I am. I am. But I've I haven't flown the last time. I haven't actually flown. You know, actually where I was in the, in control of the helicopter. I think the last time was I flew with Alan Barklage in 1994. Wow, um, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I recently, within the last. 
right before COVID came in, and I uh, believe it was uh, late February, early March of 2020, right before COVID hit, um, Shelly was nice enough to bid on an auction, and she got me a certificate that I used that I flew in the St. Louis City, St. Louis County helicopter one night. That was you know, that was fascinating. Uh, it wow. was and, and 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 I flew in a in a Hughes 500 or MD 500. They changed the name around. And um, when I was doing my flying, we flew in Bell Jet Rangers, which was the military version, was the OH 58, and the uh, the the Hughes, the the ships that the county and city police fly are what they call the the Bell or the the Hughes 500s, MD 500s, which all my pilots that I flew with, they said that the the Bell we flew in was like was like the family car. And the Hughes 500 was like the Ferrari, and wow. very nimble machine, very much of a pilot's machine. And let me tell you, these pilots, that when I was up with these two guys that night, one was guys, one was city police officers, one was county police officer. They flew that machine very well. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> there yeah, were a couple, I can imagine. Of, a couple turns we made. And see, you know, that's sort of interesting. I don't know if you know that or not, but they merged the two programs. That's one of the very few things where the county is exists with the city. When they fly, there is a city officer and a county officer flying in the helicopters. I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting was we were our very first call when we were up, our very first call was a shooting at an apartment complex in North City. And we flew over North City and actually they were chasing some guy through the apartment complex and the, the guys up front the there's a pilot and an observer and they were they were on the, the St. Louis City radio system and then we went out into uh, St. Louis County. We had a call out there, and they were on the St. Louis County radio system. And then that night, there was all sorts of stuff going on. And then we ended up out in Lake St. Louis, where there was a shooting at the Walmart in Lake St. Louis, uh, right off of Highway N, right there. And so, you know, one in one shift, these guys were helping out city, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and St. Charles County police. And it was pretty interesting. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so going back to the, the, the I, I sort of strayed off of that, the, the, uh, the, the ladies, and they were all, I heard, I think, I believe three of them who are all essentially playing the, uh, what would you call that? What, when you're training your executives, what would you call your teaching them? To obfuscate? Would that be something? Would that be the proper well, I mean, that, that would be a cynic's view for sure. And you and I are both cynics when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you, you go in and you, and you have exactly – the best advice you could give to somebody is to tell them if somebody's just – if a Brad Hildebrand is just scanning through the channels and sees this, what's the one thing you want them to remember? And you just go back to that. That's called your home base of your messages. And everything that you, every question that you're asked should go back to one of your home base messages. Interesting. Well, I heard someone yesterday, you know, sometimes I listen to so many different radio stations at a day. I can't remember who it was was saying this. They were saying that the corporations of the United States should have a uh, somewhat of a... Um, boycott against the Ivy League schools and instead of hiring all these Ivy League graduates from Harvard and Brown Interesting, and, yeah. and Columbia to hire the graduates from Mizzou and K-State and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when you look at that, there's never been a Supreme Court judge in the history of our country who's been from University of Missouri at Columbia um, yeah. and, and they almost all come out of you know the Ivy League, Harvard, Yale um, you know, th those types of schools and unfortunately you probably know this from working in um, um, in politics, your first job out of college, and but you went to a prestigious university, not necessarily Ivy League, but some people would put Washington University in that same category. Uh, yeah, did, for sure, in terms of the Midwest, for sure. Right. Yeah. Did that give you an advantage when you were I, in politics? Absolutely not. 
And and here's why is because I went to work. My first job out of school was for Senator Ashcroft here in the district office. And that was based on the fact that I started volunteering for Republican campaigns in 1994. So I had six years of, of hanging out with people that actually did politics for a living. It wouldn't have made any difference if I had gone to uh, Harvard on the highway, Florissant Valley Community College. Now, if I had applied to be my roommate out of college uh, worked for a company you might remember, Brad, called Author Anderson. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so if if I had applied for a big time corporate job as an auditor um, for, you know, a big five accounting firm or some other finance group or something, then then a Washington University degree would have would have meant a whole lot. But for what I was doing, I could I could have gone to a community college. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take our last break of the morning at 739. That's John Combest. He's the political provocateur, not the political uh, idiot savant, as he's <laughs> calling himself so far this morning. Uh, you can check out what we're doing. Uh, the radio station's called Egbert, E-G-G-B-U-R-T. You may say, what's well, a weird name for a radio station? Hey, it's a weird radio station in the respect that we have a owner who's a uh, rich guy who decides he wanted to buy a radio station. We're turning this radio station talk. After we get off the air, we have Armstrong and Getty from 8 until noon, from noon till 3. Eric Erickson, if you know about Red state that's eric erickson dude and from three to six we have mark lee van camp and robbins it's like three guys of all three different generations there's an xer there's a millennial and there's a um uh, boomer all sitting around talking it's like three guys in a bar who are looking at the life at life the way they see it from different three different perspectives and it gets pretty interesting anyway that's what egbert's all about checking out eggbrt egbert.com it's 739